Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hit and run with Matt Spiegel, Sunday mornings on The Score. It is hit and run. Russ Matera doesn't lie. He wouldn't. Russ is a good man and thorough. And we have been having some fun talking baseball in our two-team town. Talked to Ryan Terrio an hour ago about playing for great managers and some about the Cubs and the Cardinals and certainly some about La Russa. Ryan, a big fan of Tony La Russa. He said something like, if, if people stay out of Tony's way, he'll lead them to a title. Right? Is that a is that a fair paraphrase? If Tony is allowed to be Tony, and I'm not sure how a lot, uh, you know, how possible that is, they will win the World Series. Those were the words. Did he yeah. say? Did he say? I'm not sure how possible that is. He did. Yeah, he said if Tony's allowed to be Tony, comma that they'll win the World Series. Wow. Well, they might win the World Series, and then um, and then people can decide whether it was because of of Tony or not. Um, there, there's been, there's been some good that he's brought. There's been some bad that he's brought. Some of those have been tangible. And then there've been the kind of things that just drive you crazy and drive a lot of people crazy and make you nuts and lead to angry rants and might not have that much effect on the ball games. It, they might. Because clubhouse chemistry is real and atmosphere providing is real. And the manager's got to do a great job of that. But sometimes a manager comes into a situation that's kind of already under control. And this White Sox clubhouse is very much under control. I hope somebody in that clubhouse, by the way, is talking to Yasmani Grandal about his awareness um, and about uh, staying focused him bumping into Moncada on the pop-up. I can't get that out of my head. I cannot get it out of my head. There are certain things that managers do that are very specific and they work with a front office and they help solve things during the year. They like learn stuff and they think to themselves, I am seeing something and they go back to their analytics department or they go to the GM and say, who should I talk to? Cause I, I, I feel like I'm seeing something or they know who to talk to. Cause maybe they've got a guy on staff. A lot of people have this. A lot of teams have a guy on staff who is the bridge to the analytics department. And he's down in the dugout and he's there. Sometimes he's in uniform. Do the Rays still have that guy 
Sean, do you remember this? It was Jonathan something, a Princeton grad, an analytics guy. It was the moment when I said, the nerds have won. They have declared victory because there was an Ivy Leaguer wearing a uniform as part of the coaching staff. Not that Ivy Leaguers can't be ball players, Of course they can. Kyle Hendricks went to Dartmouth. Do you guys know that? He probably did. But this was an analytics guy. This is a front office guy who has hung around enough that he is, speaks beautifully with the ball players and communicates what they need communicated to the ball players. knows that each one is an individual kind of um, uh, relationship, just like a hitting coach or a pitching coach. You have to know the personality and the learning styles of the guys you deal with. Same things for an analytics coach. Jonathan Ehrlichman, process and analytics coach, also known as Jay Money. Really? Okay, so that's Jonathan Ehrlichman, or Ehrlichman, I think, of the Tampa Rays, and he's still a uniformed member of the coaching staff? Uh, yes, I believe so. He's still with the team and uh, okay. became the director of analytics in 2016 and then uh, was named in 2018 the coaching staff's first process and analytics coach. Process and analytics coach. I think that's awesome. This is not something to fear, uh, not something to even deride, you know? You'll hear a certain guys say, well, the metrics or the analytics or, or the saber, whoever. This is, it, it, it's a really instructive thing to understand what it is. All it is, and I've, I've said, I've used this phrase for a lot of years. At its best, it's just quantifiable scouting. It's just scouting. You know the scouts and the scouts who have looked and said, boy, that guy, I, I don't know. If, he's not hitting it hard lately. Just feel like he's not hitting it hard lately. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, let me do something with that. Now that scout who says, you know, he's not hitting it hard lately, can go to a computer program and see, oh, yes, his exit velocity is down by 12 miles per hour over the last 30 days, especially against righties. Huh. That's all that is. It's just scouting. And so having a guy who helps you communicate that stuff, some players want it. Some players don't. And that's totally cool if players don't want it. As long as they're succeeding. If they're not succeeding, then maybe they should think about because it it's just an added tool in the arsenal. That, that's all it is. Um, this just crossed from Alex Spire, who covers the Red Sox for the Boston Globe and is sometimes uh, uh, used on Nesson as one of their stat guys. But Alex Cora is one of these uh, one of these um, these managers who's very very steeped in the numbers and the analytics and is a great partner to the front office. I know he's a big part of a cheating scandal and there's all that. But just put that aside for a minute as I tell you this anecdote, okay? Alex Cora noticed this week or a couple weeks ago that the Red Sox were struggling to turn weak contact into outs. He just kind of noticed it. Like he's, he's watching the games and he's saying, man, guys are hitting the ball soft and that's not turning into an out. We, what, what, are, what are we doing wrong here? I feel like with all these dribblers, all these hang with them that shouldn't that should be outs. They're not outs and it's extending innings. It's causing rallies. What's going on? OK, that's so that's just a manager's eye. It's just like a scout's eye. And then he goes and he talks with the analytics department and the coaching staff. So they all have a conversation. And. The analytics department looked up and said, well, yeah, we can measure weak contact less than 80 miles an hour. Yeah. 
Um, you know what? That's true, actually. Uh, not, those are not turning into outs. So you know what the team did? They moved in the infielders against hitters who make weak contact. They can look at the hitters uh, who they're facing and say, oh, those are weak contact guys. All right, well, let's move in against them. Instead of staying in our normal shifted position that we would, if these guys are weak contact, let's move them in. So Alex Cora has got a lineup card. He knows these are the weak contact guys. He tells Rafael Devers to move in, tells Xander Bogarts to move in. So they move in. And they've been getting... More guys out on weak contact. Before the Baltimore series, they were converting 65% of the weak contact hits into outs. After the Baltimore series, during and after the Baltimore series, they're now at 82% of converting weak contact into outs. Th- think about that. So that's, that's how you use an analytics department. That's how you, as a manager can use all the tools that are, are available. And that's why managers got to know about this stuff. You can't just put in somebody who doesn't know about this stuff, who doesn't want to work with this stuff. And if they've been out of the game for a while and they, they all of a sudden get back into the game, there's an educational curve. There is a learning curve that needs to take place where you're teaching them about this stuff, this new stuff that, ex- that exists, and it's new from five years ago. The, for the best organizations, it's new from three years ago. There's even more stuff, a never-ending trove of stuff, and it can be overwhelming. But there's a learning curve to learn about it and learn how to use it, and it is hugely important and impactful, in my opinion, that a manager knows how to do that stuff. So I, I just thought that was a cool little nugget and whether that is articulating the scouting or quantifying the scouting, that is all very, very valuable and important. And I, 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 hope, that, um, I hope that all the managers that matter in this town, both of them, are using everything at their disposal to try to make their teams better. Cubs and Cardinals, as I mentioned, is not until tonight. That is your night game. Before that, at 12.05, we get White Sox and Yankees. Dallas Keuchel is going against Jamison Tyon. And the Yankees have had a very, very good run here with the starting pitching. But Tyon is not. He's got a 5.73 ERA and eight starts. He's only faced the White Sox once. That was all the way back in 2018. So this will be new to him, and White Sox bats have to get going. Rough one yesterday, and a rough one Friday as well. White Sox have scored a lot for Dallas Keuchel. Last two times, Keuchel's been out. 13 runs and 16 runs. And Keuchel historically has been very good at Yankee Stadium. 3-2 and two with a 2-4-5 ERA. Uh, I have your White Sox lineup for the matchup with Jamison Tyon and the Yankees. It is Tim Anderson. Jake Lamb is back there in the two-hole. He's got a couple homers, a couple ribs. They've both been solo shots. He's hitting a buck 88, is Jake Lamb. It's not, um, it's not, not very good, uh, but he does have a 350 on-base percentage. I'll give him that. It's frustrating because I don't, I, don't, I don't like this version of Jake Lamb very much. But anyway, there he is um, at the, in the two-hole. Yohan Moncada hits third, Abreu fourth, your mean Mercedes 
Hits fifth. The batting average is at 354 for your mean. Adam Eaton, six. Grandal, the catcher, down at seven. Billy Hamilton in at center field, hitting eight. And Nick Madrigal, uh, according to... Um, According to Michael Kay, apparently John Sterling says Madrigal. What, what's, what's the problem here, guys? This is not a hard one. You know, and right next to John Sterling, Susan Waldman should be able to help. Susan Waldman, an outstanding singer. I'm sure she knows what a madrigal is. The vocal form that I was mentioning earlier. Fun fact, um, Susan Waldman uh, starred on Broadway opposite Robert Goulet in Man of La Mancha. I love that. And, and, and shifted her careers in the middle of her life. <clears throat> Very successful singer, <clears throat> Broadway star, star. And then said, you know, I've been wanting to be in baseball my whole life. Want to be in baseball and sports my whole life. Ended up on WFAN, now the longtime venerable voice of the Yankees. She's awesome. So uh, there's your White Sox lineup. Tony La Russa talked about Adam Engel before the game. Engel close to coming back. Yes, Sean Anderson. I know we talked about Engel um, going to be playing. Triple A. He's going to be starting off at Triple A in that the original diagnosis of a grade two strain was actually a grade three. Oh, so it was a grade three. So it was, uh, so it was a little worse. But now he's going to Triple A for a rehab stint. That's good news. Wes Helms has a bunch of guys down there who are uh, getting themselves um, – you know, ready to go like Angle or are returning to action. How about Jake Berger, White Sox fans? First action in what, three years for Jake Berger? He's got six home runs in 13 games. He is thin. He looks wiry. And man, uh, what a, a bubbly, fun personality. And then the dude has had to deal with some awful, awful stuff. And now here he is. This is what I love about baseball. I mean, I love so much. But like, I, I like the numbers and the scouting and the analytics plenty. But I love the personal stories so much. The Tommy Nance story for the Cubs, I, I, I just, it, it's amazing. It's, it's wonderful. I saw today that uh, Rick Sutcliffe followed Tommy Nance on Twitter. And said, this is cool. I get to follow Tommy Nance. And Tommy Nance is like, thrill is all mine, dude. Tommy Nance is 30 years old. And I, I, I hope that most people have followed the story and known this story. He had Tommy John surgery after college at Santa Clara and went undrafted. So undrafted after college. And then played around for a while. That was like, I think that was 2012. Uh, 2011 or 2012 after college. Then after he recovered, so that was a year and change, he plays around um, a few different spots, ends up in the Independent League, is playing for the Windy City Thunderbolts in Crestwood, Illinois. In 2015, Tommy Nance and his Windy City Thunderbolts teammates were driving to Wrigley every once in a while to watch baseball. Seeing the Cubs play the Nats in 2015, from the stands like you or me. In 2016, the Cubs, having seen him in the backyard, said, all right, well, let's sign you to a minor league deal. Let's check you out. So 25, 26 years old, Tommy Nance, in 2016, signs a minor league deal with the Cubs. In 2017, he played at four different levels in the Cubs system. So he was kind of on his way up, and they were checking him out. They liked him. Then all of a sudden, there was... 
a nerve issue in his shoulder that he couldn't figure out for a while, had to uh, eventually get surgery and treatment for it. And already at that point, it had been a long run, right? It's been a long go for Tommy Nance. And so he wrote a journal entry of sorts on Twitter. It's still there. And it's making the rounds. Tommy Nance talking about fighting forward in his career, how he doesn't want to give up, how if he ever has kids and the kids ask him, Daddy, why did you give up or why did your baseball career end? He didn't want to tell them it was because he gave up. So he decides to keep going. After missing like a year and change with that injury, He's a reliever in 2019 at double A for the Cubs. So this is the seventh year of the journey for Tommy Nance. He's a reliever at double A in 2019. Decent stats rising his way up. Probably would have started 2020 at triple A. Then pandemic or a panorama as uh, my boy Shane, uh, Shane Reardon calls it. But the pandemic happens and Tommy Nance is shut down. Because he's him and he's got the character and the work ethic, he worked his tail off during the pandemic as a minor league pitcher without any real minor league supervision. He's on his own, but he figures it out. This is the part I want to talk to him about. This is the part I want to get inside and figure out what was going on here. He pushed himself. He pushed his arm, pushed his limits through hard, through a lot, decided to just try and push himself and see what he could do. And got some advice, presumably. I don't know from who, whether it was. And this part hasn't been written about. So that's why I want to talk to him. He added velocity. He comes out of the pandemic with more velocity and better control. How? Tell me, Tommy. We'll get him on. So he comes out of the pandemic with more velocity and more control. Starts 2021 at the alternate site. Plays a little bit in Iowa. Looks good, gets the call up, and now he's getting used in high leverage situations for the Cubs. Throwing 97-98 with movement and a couple of different nasty breaking pitches. A curve and a slider. And with that slider, too, it maxed out spin-wise at 3,200 and averaged 29,000 RPM on the slider. That's the only other, the only pitcher who has averaged more spin on a slider is Bauer. Wow, that's cool. So the only, wait, say it again. The only guy with more spin on the slider is Bauer? Yeah, so 30-year-old Nance, this is from Cubs Insider, uh, 30-year-old Nance maxed out his slider, his slider spin at 32,000, or yeah, 3,224 RPM and averaged 2,959 RPM on a slider. That's the only other pitcher in the MLB who has averaged more spin on that is Trevor Bauer. That's awesome. That's awesome. And so here's Tommy Nance. Part of an interesting Cubs bullpen loaded with their own kids. Keegan Thompson still with a 0.00 ERA. 0.0 ERA for Keegan Thompson. Justin Steele, unfortunately, on the injured list with the hamstring. He was looking good. And now there's Tommy Nance. Crazy. So easy guy to root for. And those kind of stories I love. This is what you get on Sunday mornings, folks. Um, I will talk to you about the practical application of analytics and how it really is just articulated or quantified scouting. And then I'll tell you the, uh, the human story of Tommy Nance. 
that's pretty much um, that's pretty much uh, you know baseball these days. It's all still there. It's all still mixed in. We're going to take your phone calls the rest of the hour at 312-644-6767. Still hoping for a conversation with Carlos Pena, but if something happened, we will reset it and do it again um, in a couple of weeks. Next week, I will not be here because I get, once again, to do pregame and postgame and play-by-play for the fifth inning on the Cubs radio network right here on the score. And elsewise, get to work with Ron Coomer and Zach Zaidman as Pat Hughes will be doing the game on marquee that night. So looking forward very much to that. That is a week from today. In between, I'll be practicing again. Be taking out the scorebook, watching games on the TV, doing a couple innings there at the coffee table, asking my wife to once again reprise her role as Ron Coomer. She's a terrible Ron Coomer. Ron Coomer is a far better Ron Coomer than my wife is a Ron Coomer. But somebody's got to talk while I'm writing in six to three in the scorebook. And there's a special note, always write in your scorebook. Folks, if you ever get a chance to do Major League Baseball play-by-play, make sure you write everything down in your scorebook as it's happening so you can just look down and be reminded of what's going on. Okay? All right, good talk. Your phone calls on the Cubs and the Sox coming up. And one of the absolute coolest rehab stories you'll ever hear. We'll get to that as well. This hour on Hit and Run on the Score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. And the lefty's opening pitch is swinging a high fly. Left field hit deep. Luke is back. He's turning to the monster. And this one is gone. And Jake Berger, for the third time in this series, homers against the Bulls, and it's a 4-4 game in the sixth. That's right in his wheelhouse. 
There's the, the aforementioned Jake Berger home run. Man, I love having the minor leagues back. Absolutely love it. Guys can play. They can play organized baseball. Work on their skills. Showcase that they might be ready for a call-up. Just talked to you about Tommy Nance. There's Jake Berger and Charlotte. By the way, the Iowa Cubs are on marquee today. Um, 1 p.m. from Principal Park. The Iowa Cubs on watch marquee. I love that they're doing that from time to time, giving you a glimpse in and seeing what the, uh, the AAA squad looks like as the Cubs and the Cardinals are a night game on ESPN. And right here, of course, on 670, the score. It turned out earlier this week that somebody was the 20,000th player all-time in MLB history. Jose Godoy. Am I saying Godoy right? There's only one way to find out is to play the sound that Sean Anderson has grabbed in advance of this potential conversation. Baseball reference, I always keep a tally on how many major leaguers there have been. Well, we believe Godoy, in his major league debut tonight, becomes the 20,000th player in major league history. Congratulations. Yes. 20,000 guys ever. That's it. Think that's, that's not a lot. The major leagues have gone on for a long, long time. Expansion has happened a few different times. There's now 30 teams. They play this much. They move guys up. So, I mean, some teams, uh, you got 25, 26-man roster. Some teams will use 50 guys during the course of a year. You know? 20,000 ever. It puts into perspective just how hard it is to get there, how much it should be respected when somebody gets there. I, I, I hate r- random, useless Twitter trolls like this Jamoke who got back to us when we said Ryan Terrio joins us next to talk about his great career and long list of Hall of Fame managers he played for throughout his career. And this random Twitter Jamoke, who I'm now giving oxygen to, said with his 17 career homers, his 691 OPS, he sure did have a, quote, great career. He's one of 20,000 people who ever got there, and he won two World Series. Come on, man. It's, it's, I mean, have, have some understanding for what it takes to get there, and then the ability to stay there. God, jerks. I don't like jerks. Thankfully, we take phone calls and not only from jerks. Sometimes we talk to people like Ben in Queens, who joins us right now Ooh, on speaks. In Run. Uh, we actually have to uh, not go to Ben, and we're going to go to Carlos Pena. How about that? Ah, how about that? I'd love to go to Carlos Pena, as advertised. Love talking to Carlos Pena. And I know you've got an open. You've got a prepared open for it. You play it for Carlos Pena, Sean. You traded Pena. Brokale trying to keep it at just one run here in the inning. Pena with a big fly ball to dead center field. Cameron there, and that one is gone. Carlos Pena has cashed in with a Tampa Bay Grand Slam. What's something you remember, like, going, wait a minute, people eat that? I got acquainted with... The peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Pena hits a towering fly ball to left that carries and carries and carries. And he drives that one high in the air toward the monster. Gone. 2-0 Tampa Bay. Pena homered in the ninth. He homers in the first tonight. There's a drive. Built it down the right field line. That ball is gone. A 
That is the third home run of this series for Pena. Hold on a second. Throughout this demo, you might hear the word placata a lot. Placata is just an expression I used with my brothers when I was young to reflect good contact, usually resulting in a home run. So when you go deep, it means you went placata. Hit and run with Matt Spiegel, Sunday mornings on The Score. Yes, indeed. Carlos Pena joins us on Hit and Run on 670 The Score. See, we had prepared stuff for you, Carlos. We love talking to you. Welcome in. Good morning. How you doing? Listen, listen. I, I am bumped up. Honestly, just to hear that open, it's worth it's worth my time 100%, 300 500%. <laughs> Out, outstanding. Outstanding. And, and it reminds me of... of of something I'd forgotten, because usually I think about something else that we talked about that I'll bring up later, but I forgot about the peanut butter and jelly sandwich, because I had asked you, like, <laughs> what was something that you coming from the Dominican and moving to Western Massachusetts at the age of 12, right? It was like, man, that's, that's a culture shock, and you were like, what is this, peanut butter and jelly? So now here's the question. When's the last time you had peanut butter and jelly? How long has it been? Man, not too long ago. As a matter of fact, I would say within last week, I've had at least one peanut butter and jelly sandwich. It has to be one of the greatest inventions in the whole entire world. I have no idea how someone thought of it. I don't know if they were going, I'm going to go tart. I'm going to go sweet. I'm going to, I don't know. The combination is unbelievable. It really is. is. It, it, It absolutely is. I'm convinced that that is the best we can do with food is when we nail it like that with the salty and the sweet. Like I, I like pineapple in stir fry or even pineapple on pizza, which is very, very, very Good, controversial yeah. here in Chicago. A, a, a chocolate covered pretzel. <laughs> right. I mean, this is and, and I, I have a theory. It goes deeper. It's the sweet and the salty of life, Carlos. It is the acceptance of the good and the bad simultaneously that, that reaches us on a deeper level. That is absolute. You you speak with so much substance. You really do. That is so deep and so meaningful. And you are onto something. I'm like, how? Who invented this? I don't know. But I forget yeah. that there are people out there that study culinary arts. That that is their art. So whoever came up with the peanut butter and jelly sandwich, thank yes. you, thank yes. you very much. We are extremely hey. grateful. All right, look, I know we could keep talking baseball, but now I have to ask you one more food thing because I feel like you're into it. Um, so I love, I always loved, and my mother always loved, the part around the edge of the uh, lasagna or the macaroni and cheese that was like the, the, the extra cooked kind of burnt edges right there in the corner, you know, where yes. like everything congeals. And my, my brother-in-law, who is Puerto Rican, um, when he makes rice, they call it the pegao. The pegao. Yeah. It's, it's on the bottom of the rice pan, and it's like where the rice <laughs> hits the pan, and it's the same kind of thing. And then I found out, Carlos, every culture in the world that makes rice has a word for that. Every culture in the world has a word for that because that's where the goodness lies. So, so do you like that? Do you like that stuff? Was there was there something in Dominican culture? What what is the word for that? If you know it. I don't know. Are you kidding me? Let me tell you something, brother. This is like, this is just like the Dominican flag. This is, this is something you learn when you're just a kid. If you, if you are Dominican and you don't know what that is called, then you cannot call yourself a Dominican. <laughs> con, 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 con. That's the way we call it. Con, con. <laughs> you're, make, you're making me hungry right now. I want some con, con right now. That, that is, right. I, I, I love, that's one of my favorite parts about rice is, uh, is con, con, 100%. <laughs> 
All right, there we go. Cocon. Okay, and now to baseball. Thank you, Carlos Pena, joining us here. Are you sure? Hit- yeah. <laughs> no, I could go all day. I could go all day, man. Um, so, so this Cubs lineup, offensively, we have been waiting for the lineup to be diversified in this town for a long time. Like, they've had a lot of the same kind of hitters that you could get with the high fastball and, like, the 12-6 to curveball or whatever. And, like, a lot of people are susceptible to that, obviously. But now I've, I, I enjoy watching this lineup when certain guys like, like Nico Horner or Sogard or Matt Duffy, just different kinds of hitters. I, how important is it to have those kinds of hitters to mix in with your power guys to make a lineup function? It, it, it's, to me, it's absolutely huge. You know, look, so some days ago, I, I wrote something about where I made a presentation on the network, on MLB Network, about, you know, the importance of having a level swing and having a high probability swing and, and to stay on plane with the baseball so that you can put the ball in play. And, man, if you have power, you're going to hit the ball out of the ballpark. And you wouldn't believe how many people just came back at me, like, uh, a little, little harsh, like, no, no one's teaching that. I'm like, come on, guys. There is a propensity for every single hitter to go up there and want to lift the ball. So naturally, your swing is going to have this loop because it makes perfect sense. I'm going to swing up to hit the ball up. So it's counterintuitive to stay level because you say, if I'm going to hit home runs, if I'm going to lift the ball, um, I have to just come underneath the, the pitch, right? And it doesn't quite work that way in physics and in the biomechanics uh, of, of, of hitting. But that's a, a topic for another time. But there is a, a, a misunderstanding on launch angle. There is 100% on how to achieve an ideal launch angle. I love those guys, uh, like Nico Horner, you know, that, that it's out there to hit a line drive right back up the middle. And maybe he doesn't have uh, the power that Chris Bryant has, but even Chris Bryant, has made adjustment in his swing to start from the top of the strike zone down. If you watch him in the on-deck circle, you see him warm up with this kind of high fastball level swing, and he works from the top down, and now you look at his numbers, and you're like, oh, what happened? What adjustment did he make? He's trying to hit more line drives. He's trying to stay on top of that high fastball and work himself from the top of the strike zone down. Having that type of balance throughout, the lineup really creates, you know, and, I, and I'm talking about having power guys, having contact guys, but it kind of having those conversations among yourselves, you know, that is conducive to production and run scoring. Look, the, the Cubs have come a long way. You can remember, if you go back to the beginning of the season, we were worried. I, I mean, it was a very worrisome time where we're like, okay, maybe this, is, uh, this club is not going to bounce back. And, yeah, look, now the Brewers are, are, are coming back down to life and the Cubs are getting back in the mix. That's what I'm talking about. That's so cool. Um, I, I, you know, it, it's, it's been great. And, like, the thing about Bryant that he says is that it's not necessarily even the practice of swinging down or even level. It's the thought because oh. – Right, because naturally your body is going to do the uppercut a little bit because especially how tall he is. But it's just you go up there with that thought, then all of a sudden it kind of evens out a little bit. That's so heavy to me. So, so then the question is, Carlos, we, we live in a league or we, we cover a league that is full of so much swing and miss. Could more people be making that kind of Bryant adjustment, which is just the mental thought 
of swinging down or making it more level? And would we see more contact if guy, more people did that? You do not understand, perhaps, the magnitude of what you just said, hmm. right? There, it's incredible. I, I, that's why I'm, I cannot get on Twitter too much because, honestly, I'll just get into arguments all day long and I'll waste my day. But what, th- this is the thing. It's not – I can tell a kid, hey, try to chop down on wood. Now, I know 100% that that kid is not really going to swing down. What that does is him having think that way, it's going to level up his swing slightly. Mm. So you almost bring it back towards the middle. So you, what you do is you over-exaggerate something or over-exaggerate a thought, and that allows you to kind of bring it back to where you need to be. Right? And that's what Brian is talking about. This is absolutely music to my ears and, and brilliant. So it's like, oh, you know, Alex Rodriguez was talking about, oh, you, you have to chop down at the baseball. And then they show a swing of him not doing that, kind of like having a slight uppercut. And they were like crushing him. I'm like, you guys are missing the point. Hmm. The, what, what Alex is saying is what Brian is saying. I want to swing down at the ball, even though I probably never will. But if I think that way, my swing is going to level up just slightly to where I want it to be. You're overcompensating, and you're kind of like retraining your neurological pathways. And we can go down that rabbit hole all you want, and we can go really deep. But it's very simple. What you just explained right there is awesome to hitters to understand that you, if you want to feel, if you want to be, if you're late, and you want to be on time, maybe what you need to think is, I need to be extremely early. Mm-hmm. Like ridiculously early, and then maybe you'll be on time. You understand? Yes. So, th- yes, absolutely. If hitters were able to implement that type of thought, uh, power hitters, a hobby bias, you know, if, if they, they, would, they, they would be able to implement that type of thinking. What's going to happen? Home runs are going to go up. Your ad- average is going to go up. Your production is going to go up because you're making better and better contact more consistently, uh, putting high probability swing. Heck, listen to me. Because there's another thing that happens. Hey, Carlos, you struck out this many times in your career. What are you talking about? I'm like, brother, precisely. I'm telling you right now that instead of me hitting 286 home runs, sorry about that, 286 ain't bad, I would probably hit 350. You know, if I would, I, oh, sorry, I only played for 14 seasons in the big leagues. Maybe I would have played for 18. All right? So it's, it's, this is the truth about hitting. And you just, uh, this is music to my ears. I want more of those power hitters to kind of get back to that level swing or try to achieve that because we're going to see a lot more placards if they do. <laughs> see, and, and, and they probably won't lose as many home runs as they think they're going to lose because they're powerful and they're still, they're still swinging up uh, uh, physically as they do it. So, so this is the thing. All of these rules and ideas and innovations to put more balls in play and they, something needs to happen, that's for sure, whether it's the mound up, the mound back, uh, it's the shift, it's, uh, you know, a million different things. Um, it, some people say, ah, the game will adjust back to itself. It, it, it adjusts back to itself. I'm afraid that it won't because guys get paid for home runs and guys are, are stubborn. Um, but if they could the game adjust back to itself and take care of itself and kind of level it off like it has historically? Um, it, or, or do we still need to do a little something to go along with it? It could adjust back by itself, but this is the problem with that. It would take a lot of pain, a lot of suffering, 
a long time of guys striking out, striking out, striking out, batting averages going extremely down, offense uh, going extremely, extremely low, of us now trying to, like, figure out, let's back up the mound. It's like, wait a second. Are we treating a symptom? Symptom? Or are we, do we need to go to the problem? You know, we're trying to treat symptoms instead of saying, no, wait a, wait a second. Your approach at the plate is not conducive to contact. So that's the quickest way to fix in this situation where now pitchers, if you look at the last two years, they have increased their foreseen usage, right? The fastball usage at the top third of the zone by 10%. So it used to be like they only elevated fastballs around 30%. You know, now if you go back all to, you know, back to like 2009 around there, and now you have these pitchers trying to throw bits of the ball up in the zone 40%. So it's like a 10% increase in the last few years, and that's a lot. So you get a lot more swings and misses. So it could fix itself. It just would take so long for these guys to suffer through. Struggles. That's the way I used to do it. I'm like, no, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. And it wasn't <laughs> until I was like, oh, for the century that I was like, all right, coach, what do you got to say? Uh, help me out. You know, <laughs> instead of maybe listening the first time, it's like, hey, Carlos, you, you, you're late. Don't oh. talk to me. I'm a big leaguer. I got here. Oh, you know, man. I know what I'm doing. Hey, man, let's make adjustments. That's what we need to do. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God. Oh, so the human ego got in the way. Oh, yeah, it happens. It happens with everything, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, um, and Carlos Pena is our guest here on Hit and Run for just a couple more minutes. You can see Carlos on Marquee Sports Network uh, doing some Cubs pre and post, and you see him on MLB Network. And um, it just just wonderful stuff here with Carlos. So that Placata stuff um, that you were said, uh, talking about in the demo, I remember the hitter that was in that demo. <laughs> Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Yeah, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. He seems to be doing okay. Uh, this year, a 1.09 OPS, 13 homers, a 333 batting average. So is he a guy who is fusing those things of the, uh, of, of, of sure, some launch angle, because that's natural, but he, he, he thinks the swing down as well? Hey, my, my, my son absolutely loves uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., by the way. So he's one of his favorite players. Um, I, I believe that that type of mentality, which is hit a line drive, um, back at the pitcher. And if you watch that, that, that demo again, yeah. if you watch that demo again, it's, um, it's, he talks about that. He's like, you know what? What are you trying to do here? I'm just trying to hit the ball hard right back up the middle. So, so I, and then I ask him, are you trying to hit the ball out? He's like, no, no, no. I, I don't know where the ball's going. I just want to make solid contact. And, well, it seems to be working for him. And I, I know he's made a lot of adjustments, a lot of work put into it, a lot of, uh, you know, getting in shape and, and all that. But this is the mentality that he has at the plate. And, and look, he has more discipline than his father by a landslide, right? <laughs> so him having a better approach, I'm really excited. What I was excited then, but it seems like in the last year and a half, he's kind of found – himself you know with all that pressure that was on him um it was difficult to perform but i think he kind of has settled he's like okay i'm gonna go do what i do and and his approach is pretty much a line drive approach guess what he's hitting his own home runs he's hitting for average he is producing bringing in runs and look at the toronto blue Jays. hey man they are a threat in that league and that league is crunched together all of them are in there but they are a threat and you have to include the blue Jays in the conversation 
Yeah, you do. That lineup is crazy. Yeah, um, your colleague Jim Deshays over at Marquee said, just a throwaway line, maybe Vlad Jr. got his plate discipline from his mother. That always made me laugh. Cause I... <laughs> right? That is excellent. That is absolutely excellent. Perhaps it was not from Dad. <laughs> no, no, no. He got a lot of stuff from Dad. All right, and then I mentioned, Carlos, as we say goodbye, the, the other thing that I always think about when I think about talking to you, you, you had said that if we don't come out of this pandemic better – as a family, as people, then, then, then we're doing it wrong. So we're, we're almost out of it. I've thought about that. My wife and I have actually talked about that. And I hope that you and your family are, are coming out of this uh, healthier and, and better um, it, it, as, you know, as, as we emerge from this thing. You know, I love to talk to you because you're a very uh, thoughtful person. And, and, and it comes through in everything you do. Um, if we have to go through this such a difficult time, and in a sense, we waste it and we don't grow from it, man, shame on us. Shame on us to, to go through so much suffering and, and difficulty and struggle and acquire absolutely zero growth from it. So the, the, the whole entire idea is, man, I, I, I really pray and I feel that that, that that way personally that we are now stronger, that we are now more appreciative and more grateful and um, that we understand the, the importance of seizing the moment, of telling the people that you love today that you love them, you know, of doing the thing you love today, of, of being just a grateful person. Um, whichever growth it is, you know, whichever way you can measure it, then that, that is key. Um, so I, I feel like in my family we've gotten closer together. I, I think we've appreciated, um, learned to appreciate each other more. Um, and we've grown in strength, and I pray that is the same thing for you, for your family, and for everyone's family, and, and, and for us as a nation and as, a, as humanity as a whole, just that we've grown from this. That is absolutely key. All right, man. Uh, a pleasure to talk to you, as, as always. One of my favorite guys to talk to. So thank you, Carlos. Thanks for calling in, and enjoy the day, enjoy the season, and hopefully I'll see you uh, in town at Wrigley one of these days this year. I cannot wait. I'm actually going to be there this July, and that's the plan. Um, and uh, that moment is going to be going to be a big one for me. It's been also it's been what a year and a half, two years since uh, last time um, that we planned for me to be there, and I couldn't because of the situation. So really looking forward to it. Thank you so much for having me. Always a pleasure. All right, Carlos. Thank you so much. That's uh, Carlos Pena right there on six seventy. The score on hit and run. Mark Rody's up at the top of the hour. I'm Matt Spiegel. We'll put a bow on this thing next on the score. Man, um, what a fun show this morning. Thank you to callers. And appreciate you, Ben and Queens. Stan from Bellwood. Didn't have a chance to get to you guys because Carlos Pena called back in. But, man, I love talking to that dude. This story from this week is so amazing. And maybe you know some of the details, but I bet you don't know some of these quotes that I have to share with you. Jacob deGrom, the undisputed best pitcher in baseball, gets a chance to pitch for Palm, or for, sorry, Port St. Lucie, um, Class A Mets on a rehab stint, okay? He faced 10 batters, and he struck out eight of them. Maybe you know some of that. 
but some of the details are just unbelievable. First of all, because of the revamped minor league schedule and because uh, the new um, Mets Class A affiliate is so close to their, their, their minor league site or their, um, their spring training site, they are all going to rehab there. This week, Seth Lugo had a rehab stint uh, against uh, Palm Beach. Okay, the Palm Beach Cardinals. They got Seth Lugo this week. Oh, that's pretty cool. Lugo's pretty good, said one of their p- players. Hey, he's a big league starter. Came out, he threw a four-pitch first inning. Then he went down to the pen, and that was that. He's like, oh, that was uneventful. I wish we got to see him more. These are the Class A guys. Get a chance to see a big league pitcher like Seth Lugo. That's cool. And then they found out that the next night, they were going to face Noah Syndergaard. So the same guys. The leadoff man, Mason Wynn. You'll hear his name a lot in these quotes. Mason Wynn said, ooh, we're getting Cindergard." We were like, holy bleep, that's Noah Cindergard, dog. Like, we're about to go face Thor. So they face Seth Lugo for four pitches, and then they get to see Cindergard. And, you know, the other player, Beller, said, was like, well, we got an inning from Lugo. But then Thor goes out there, throws four innings, and carves. I've been to MLB games growing up and stuff, but being in the dugout, being able to watch Syndergaard was totally different. So he was out there looking like he was flipping it in a bullpen, just blowing dudes away, says that pitcher, John Beller, talking about facing Syndergaard. So that's their week already. These Class A guys get to see Seth Lugo and then Noah Syndergaard. And that dude's saying it's like, well, I've been to MLB games, but that was different. So that's pretty cool. But then on Wednesday... The manager says, hey, guys, uh, you're going to face Jacob deGrom tomorrow. And they didn't believe it because it wasn't published anywhere. And then they look and they find out it's blowing up on Twitter. Jacob deGrom will be making a rehab start against Palm Beach. And immediately that pitcher, Beller's like, you got to be bleeping me. you got to be bleeping me. I immediately knew it was going to be one of the coolest things I've ever experienced. Here's the uh, <laughs> then the leadoff hitter, Mason Wynn, talking about getting ready to face deGrom. We got a scouting report around 1 a.m. It said, DeGrom fastball, 100 to 102. Hold on. Mark Grody, would you mind if I'm a minute or two late? I want to read these stories. Mark Grody, these quotes. I love you, Mark Grody, but let me read these. We got a scouting report at around 1 a.m. It said, DeGrom fastball, 100 to 102. Slider, 94 to 95. So that was cool. Most people on the team went on to MLB the show and pitched with him because, or hit against him just to see how he pitches. That's really all he can do because he's pretty much a video game character. And when you got up there at the plate, that's pretty much how it works. So DeGrom is in Palm Beach and news is spreading. They were at 20% capacity, but for the DeGrom game, they made more tickets available and they knew the game was going to sell out, going to be a great atmosphere. Mason Wynn says, I mean, it was Dollar Beer Thursday. It was already popping. But with Jacob deGrom coming into town with low-A ticket prices, I mean, come on now. We had drunk fans enjoying the hell out of themselves. It was great. (laughs) And so there's Mason Wynn. He let off. He fouled a pitch away. He looked up at the board and said 100 miles an hour. So that was nice. Second pitch of the game was 102. Mason Wynn made contact. He reached on a throwing error, so he's on base. He steals second base, and he said that Jacob deGrom stared into my soul for about five seconds. Then I stole third, and he stared into my soul again. I won't even lie. He's a very intimidating dude. 
And then DeGrom just strikes everybody out. Uh, Mason Wynn reaching third, far and away the closest the Cardinals got to scoring off of DeGrom. And all these guys talking about it, like he's effortlessly throwing 100 miles an hour. I'll be able to tell my kids, my grandkids, that the guy with the Hall of Fame plaque in Cooperstown, I squared off against him. I had more strikeouts that day than Jacob DeGrom, says the opposing pitcher. So cool. So isn't that awesome? I love, it's Thursday night. So it was already popping. It's Dollar Beer Thursday. But with Jacob DeGrom in town? Come on. Mark Grody, thank you for your patience. I wanted to get those quotes in. What a fun hit and run. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Sean Anderson, for a great job. Thank you, Ryan Terrio. Thank you, Carlos Pena and Joe Roderick. Have a wonderful Sunday, everybody. I'll be back tomorrow and all week along with Danny Parkins on the score for Parkins and Spiegel. Thank you, Groats. Have a great day, everybody. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 